0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. group prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Good evening, everyone, and welcome uh, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. Democracy is uh, the issue tonight, and a potential strategy, a potential app that's going to dramatically improve uh, democracy in Canada and potentially around the world. My guest is Murray Simpser, who uh, is a fascinating guy, and we'll maybe get uh, a little bit more into his background because... He is Canadian. He's a political uh, junkie activist, uh, uh, involved uh, individual. But then went to Silicon Valley and got very involved in uh, in, in high tech. Um, made some money, and uh, then decided to move back to Canada and really change democracy by launching this app that is just recently this past week launched. Murray, welcome to the show, sir. How are you?
1: I'm terrific. Thank you, Brian, for having me on.
2: My pleasure. So tell us what is uh, Citizen, which you are launching or have like c-
1: Fundamentally, citizen is called the people's API. And in nerd tech speak, an API means access to all the information about a particular thing. So you can imagine citizen provides the voice of the people through a technical means to the government and anybody else who wants to know what it is. And it's made possible by the organiz- organizing principle of a social network called citizen, one in each country, Every person who is of electoral age is invited to join. And those people through simple means like a notification on their phone will be asked to come in and participate in highly credible uh, conversations about their government and the order that the government is currently managing uh, according to the, the, the federal paper, the Gazette. And so at the end of the day, what it means is real people will have a real measured voice and that voice will be the most predictive set of data um, that is available in any polity. And behind me, uh, you can see sort of a phrase, we launched at Collision. Collision is the Olympics of techs. It's where, it's where startup CEOs go to show off their wares um, and compete with the best startups in uh, the world uh, for capital. And we did just that last week. So we're launched. And one last thing, this is not just a tech company. This is the voice of the people, which means I can't run it. We don't want anybody who's a tech guy owning that information. And so at the end of September, we are launching towards a Charlottetown for the 21st century. And this, Brian, is the first time I'm saying this publicly on your show. Um, And a press release will go out on Tuesday about this. Towards a Charlottetown for the 21st century. And Citizen is going to make that possible.
2: So a Charlottetown conference. Yes, indeed. And what's the Charlottetown Conference going to do? It's going to, it's going to decide how this uh, democracy, this uh, dem- democratization of, uh, of decision-making is going to be uh, controlled and spread around?
1: Indeed. In fact, for the last six months, a body of 40 people who are called ambassadors for Citizen have been writing the draft constitution for Citizen Canada, Inc which is a subsidiary of our tech company. That corporation will not be governed by us. It'll be governed by the people of the country. That board of 40 people, the good and the great of the country, everything from ex cabinet ministers, founders of great tech companies, mega entrepreneurs, um, pundits, academics, journalists, professors, They have written the Constitution of Citizen Canada to make sure that all of the crazy making that goes on in social media does not exist in this beautiful social network that we're creating. The purpose, therefore, of that conference is to finalize and sign uh, that constitution and hand control of Citizen Canada to the people of Canada.
2: Okay, so so, Mary, let me let me try to understand. Is this a, a poll? Is it an app is it a social media uh, interaction um, entity like Facebook or, or, or uh, Instagram, or is it actual direct democracy and referenda?
1: Well, if somebody, I had a con- I can answer it in a funny way. I had a conversation with somebody the other day that said you're gonna to have to register as a lobbyist if you create this company. And I said, no, I'm not, okay? And we're gonna fight this concept. Um, this is in point of fact, the people who are already recognized in the constitution as the the most powerful polity that exists in a country, um, but they are not organized and able to express themselves. All we are doing is taking that voice and expressing it. We take no side, we are not partisan. What we want to do is enable the beautiful Canadian democracy that's already built into the the Canada Act uh, of 1982 and the British North America Act before that, um, and make sure that people actually are governed on the basis of informed consent. And the way we're gonna do that is by providing people the ability to truly understand what's going on regardless of how fancy they are and whether or not they have the education or a political science degree every person in this country is going to be measured, counted, and all of their needs are going to be understood. And once we've done that, once we've given that power to the people, the expression, the data that comes out of that social network with no cuckoo in it, will ultimately become the basis of a business model that allows us to sell access to that data so that anybody who needs to understand what the people want, government, journalists, academics, um, anybody in the world that needs to understand political about $200 billion currently spent in the world to figure that out. And we're going to disrupt all of it.
2: We're chatting tonight with Murray Simpson. He is the uh, founder of uh, uh, an app, uh, a direct democracy, a, a social media um, something or other that is called Citizen that is going to really, he thinks, revolutionize uh, democracy in Canada uh, and potentially around the world. We're going to take a break for some messages and be back in just two minutes with Marie Simpson. Stay with us, everybody. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Back everyone to the Brian Crumby Radio. While we're on Saga nine sixty, my guest tonight is Murray Simpser. And just last week, he uh, at the Big Collision Technology Conference in Toronto, he launched uh, his app uh, Simser, uh, not Simser uh, Citizen. I apologize. Um, and uh, and he's talking about having a constitutional conference in September. So it really will not be Simser. Uh, it'll be uh, very much uh, something uh, controlled and organized by 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 us, by uh, by a constitution, by the people. And he's attempting to really get. Information to the people, such that people can end up having a point of view that will influence uh, our politics. Murray, in the last provincial election, only forty-three percent of the people turned out. Yeah, people yeah. really care about politics. Do they care about government? Do they care so much so that they're going to actually listen to whatever it is that you're saying, on citizen?
1: Well, I I think that you sort of you've hit the nail on the head. People don't give a rat about politics right now, and in point of fact, if you look at the the, the data that you get through the Edelman Vermont Trust Barometer, the Economist Intelligence Units, two of the more credible measures of of, of trust in government people not only don't trust their governments, they're, they're completely disaffected. Um, 20 years ago, we were starting to see sort of a reduction in interest in uh, democracy, but it's really fallen off the, uh, fallen off the cliff now. At and 45%. look at the last election, one in five people elected a government. It, you know, if you split roughly down half, it, it, half the people voted for Ford, half the people voted for some other party. Um, that means that sort of less than 20% of the people picked the government. Like that's a pretty astonishing expression of the disinterest that people have in government. In fact, uh, it's plain. Nobody thinks they can control the government and our system uh, will not only let them control it, they don't have to try to control it using this. All they have to do is actively participate in a couple of notifications a day, a couple of minutes a day, and they will have total control over their governments. That's the innovation. They
2: they don't have control because the government doesn't have to follow whatever comes out of your process, right?
1: That is correct. They do not have to. But let me tell you something. If the government has in their hands um, the recipe for electoral harmony, that is, this is what the people specifically want, and they have thought about it in the same way that, say, a committee has, the the legislature has, the parties have, the PMO or the the, the premier's office in in Ontario's case, um, why wouldn't they listen to it? The problem today is there is no data that's accurate enough to do what I'm proposing. And so if you assume for a second that I can mathematically achieve that, my question then becomes, Okay, maybe they still don't listen. And there's no mechanism. We're not trying to change the constitution of the country. We're only trying to constitute a group that can express this problem. Now, Here's the measure. If at the end of the day, they don't listen to the most predictive data that's out there, the people are going to know it. Now, the second part of citizen isn't just, oh, we've got good data. The second part of citizen is making sure that the people who are in the country have the agency to be able to do it. That is the power to influence the government if the government doesn't listen. That's why citizen is going to be sold to the users once the investors have backed it and made it healthy. And we're going to put billions of do- up to billions of dollars into a fund every year in Canada and every other country, for that matter, that's going to be at the disposal of people. Now, what government who had, who, uh, who is offered a carrot, do what we want, or a stick, don't do what we want, and we'll use the billions of dollars that we have at our disposal to influence you in a manner that's appropriate, whether through lawsuits, protests, or other civic actions that uh, will remedy the problem. And frankly, I think governments are smarter than that. If they can find out there's a way to satisfy the electorate and win an election, I think they'll take it.
2: But what, what you're talking about really is is just a, a more um, more accurate poll, a, a a polling of the Canadian people that has a far greater sample size because it potentially is is everyone and and I guess hopefully what you're we're going to provide is a little bit more information because one of the one of the the issues that people have with polls is you know are people really knowledgeable about the the problem and the issues and the laws and so therefore you're going to educate them. But it's still just a poll um, of, of people. It's not a referendum that actually has some legal weight uh, that uh, would actually uh, force uh, acceptance by government, and you know I could argue with you. I think that uh, you know in the United States uh, uh, the Republican Party is very supportive of uh, what the Supreme Court uh, decided in regards to Roe v. Wade. Even though most polls say that something like seventy percent of the people actually support uh, access to abortion and are and are pro-choice. Uh, yes. In Canada, you know the Green Party. Uh, you know, only elected one member in the last uh, provincial election, but get, uh, you know, I, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was 6% or something like that of the popular vote. And so therefore should have had, you know, something like eight seats uh, in, in the legislature if we had proportional representation. Uh, yeah. And again, you know, over 50, 70%, I think in most polls of, of Ontarians and of Canadians support measures uh, that are combating climate change. but But if they only get to elect with our system, one member, um, and only uh, and and you know even though they get uh, a sizable percentage of the popular vote, uh, that doesn't get represented. Government doesn't listen. Government government listens to their base, don't they? Don't parties just listen to their base? Because that's how in our system you get elected by motivating the base, by diminishing the turnout of other parties. You know, you think about what Ford, lots of people talked about him sleepwalking his way, running a leader oriented, uh, um, uh, uh, a a front runner oriented campaign, trying to not appear in front of the media, not trying to uh, uh, get media attention, not trying to spur uh, turnout, really trying to keep turnout down because he knew his base would elect them
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. To yeah. a majority
2: government. And as you pointed out, 20% of the population effectively elected one of the strongest majority governments that we've had in a long time.
1: 100%. Now, let's let's talk about your your principal point here. Um, will governments only listen to their base? The answer is not even a minute. Governments don't give a rap about their base anymore. What we can actually measure in all elections, it's about 2012, is that governments are not elected by their base anymore. They're not elected by sort of the first past the post type system we have here in Canada. Um, They're not elected by Democratic ground games, not elected by lawn signs, door knocking. None of that stuff statistically matters at all. Okay. And it became a really serious issue after the 2016 election, where social media had finally sort of hit the 100% penetration rate where people were influenced by these six or so algorithms that were mediating their relationships to government. Now, let's be crystal clear on this point. The government no longer gives a rat about anybody except the reach on social media. Why would I care about talking to 40 people in a room at a union meeting when I can go online and gaslight somebody and put a post up and get a million views? This is the weight of the current situation. It's so the governments are going to continue to behave that way until you can tell them behaving that way is, is for naught. And it's not going to benefit you to do that. Once you have this in place, the, the basis of this is not a grand poll, as you you, you suggested. And, and I'll debate you on that point because this is meant to elevate a person into what I call moderated discourse as the basis for their knowledge about the the, the, the government that uh governs them. Moderated discourse, um, deliberative polling is totally different than the polls that we have today. You randomly call somebody, ask them a question, they may or may not have any information. Everything that's going to be done on this platform is going to first be seated with objective information produced by credible third parties, okay? And the media. So every time, let's say, for instance, the United States right now, abortion is the rage because of the, the decision of the Supreme Court. Now, if you think about that as, as something that needs to now be discussed at states level, um, you would think that you would want to have an informed debate about the subject. But the fact is, they don't want to have an informed debate today, because you don't have to. This is going to put the informed debate in place. And then the people who would otherwise just side with this gaslight or that gaslight or this position or that position because they're intractably opposed to change their minds because they don't think that changing their mind matters. It becomes tribal. And we're going to eliminate that, tri- that, that tribal behavior by doing exactly what the study America in one room did, uh, published by uh, Stanford uh, University a couple of years ago, and that is, if you bring all these people who claim I will absolutely not change my mind, they can solve all third rail issues, Uh, abortion, Social Security, you know, go through the list in America up here it's healthcare, uh, immigration, you know, all of these things, ultimately the they, they, sort of crazy making disappears when people have full and good information up front. And today, governments aren't giving any of that. And it's our job to fix it. We are the masters of our own democracies or we lose those democracies and but citizens. People actually want to make that happen.
2: Do people actually want that objective information. Don't they like living in their little echo chambers? And, you know, you, you see over and over again that people are just listening to people that agree with them. They're not actually wanting to hear that contradictory
1: point of view. That's right. That's a tale as old as time, right? Um, you know the allegory of the cave. I think we should all go back to it um, and and sort of look at it. it most people are, are 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 blissfully unaware of the choices they're making, and and I don't mean that they're ignorant. I just mean that. They've got lives and kids and jobs. It, most of them don't have the, the, the sort of bandwidth to be able to do this in a world that's moving as rapidly as this. It's high time the, the politics catches up to the internet, and citizens going to make that possible so that mothers and fathers who don't have extra time can actively participate in politics without running down to their local writing association and getting into a machine that won't value them.
2: Okay, so if we want to check it out, what do we do?
1: You, are, you, you go to our website and you sign up. There's a sign up link. You Put your email in there. You will receive an invitation to download either an Android or an iOS. And then eventually, once it's in the App Store, you can just download it whenever you like. And when I download it, what happens? You're going to find that there's a basic social network that's there. Now, remember, I asked for special dispensation for everybody because this is the first country that we're launching it in, which means there are no users or very few users. So give us between now and the end of September to to launch this thing. Give us feedback. There's a little hamburger menu at the top of the app, three lines in it. If you click on it, you can say give app feedback and you can actually give suggestions, make ideas. We will take all of them and we will bake them into uh, the platform. And uh, as I say, in September, at the end of September, the fully baked app will be available for everybody to use and you can start to govern yourself.
2: And so... I had been arguing for a referendum. How does this differ from a referendum?
1: Well, so in a referendum, you require the government's assent to have a referendum and then the backing of the election committees uh, or the election um, uh, corporations to, to actually get them done. They carry the weight of law and they also, to a degree, carry the weight of the people. Okay, That marriage gives it its strength. If I could produce something stronger than that, if I could create a, an output that was statistically more powerful than that, there's nobody that's going to argue that it carries weight. Ultimately, what I hope is going to happen is that we're going to find ourselves uh, in a situation where it's not an antagonistic proposition to the government to hear the weight that the people want to carry, but rather guidance that the government can actually wrap their minds around. And Instead of fighting over what, what we should do, the people will decide what we should do with citizens. The government can fight over how best to do it, okay? So what I want is a future where the government is responsible for how we get things done, and the the people are responsible for what we want
2: done. I'm not going to quote it exactly, but I think it was Mulroney that said politicians don't actually want to lead, they want to find a parade and get to the front of it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that is entirely correct and we're going to modify the back the backstabbing baby kissing nonsense that qualifies as politicianing these days okay politics should be about finding the right Compromise to solve and 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 it's create solutions in a society. Regrettably, today it's about gaslighting people and and backslapping and nonsense Instagram posts where somebody's out at a restaurant or otherwise. I think it's time we lead ourselves, and that the government works for us.
2: Even if you make it efficient, Murray. Even if you make it uh, such that it's. Uh not frictionless, but, but low friction such that you send out uh, the information and I can do it on my telephone and I can do it in, uh, in, in a short period of time. Do people really actually want to spend that much time thinking about the laws of the land
1: and having influence on it? Well, let's, let's check out the statistics today. How much time do you think they spend doing it now, whining on social media into the air? It's a huge portion of time, 30 minutes a day is already spent there. And what are they getting out of it? Mental illness, okay? You can actually measure the consequences of this this, this disempowerment that's happening, this sort of stock of this coddling of the mind so that people are not responsible for themselves. Democracy is about responsibility. And I think that if people get an app that allows them in three minutes a day to have total control over their futures, I think they'll do it. Can I have actually, more faith in people.
2: Can you actually get updated on what's going on in the world, what the key political issues are, and have an influence on it in three minutes
1: a day? Absolutely, you can so long and, and provided that it's done in a way that affects government policy. We all know that change.org is the most massive political platform there is, but let me ask you, when was the last time anybody actually paid attention to that as a politician? Scale is not a solution, okay? Everybody thought the biggest voice was going to win? Nonsense. The governments know how to manage that. What we need is quality, okay? And then quality delivers a a qualitative difference in outcome uh, than you would otherwise get with just quantity. We've had enough quantity. It's time to go back to quality. It's time to go back to authority. It's time to put that authority in the hands of regular people And I think that the Canadian population in particular would love to spend three minutes a day, managing the politicians and actually knowing they did it.
2: How are you going to actually get this objective, um, Reporting, you know, a lot of people don't think that you know CNN or CBC is objective. They think it's uh, left wing uh, conspiracy. Uh, people don't think that Fox is objective. It's right wing conspiracy. Uh, um, Sun Media, same. You know, like how, how, and where are you going to get whatever is deemed to be truly objective?
1: Well, and, and I think you've hit the nail on the head once again. Uh, let's channel our Marshall McLuhan, shall we? The medium is the message. All of the media outlets you just described are, by definition, mediating; therefore, choosing what the audience sees. Okay. By definition, that model's broken. The only reason it didn't break in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, etc., is because there was a bandwidth issue, forcing qualitative things to rise to the surface. Okay, so authority. Peter Mansbridge had to be authoritative. If he looked like a loon, then people wouldn't wanna watch his shows. But that's not the case when you have an unlimited broadcasting system that every person has in their hands. And so in that case, you need to modify the conditions under which the data is captured and those choices are made. And what that means is the oversight has to be in the hands of the people, the rules of the road to determine how the algorithm work has to be open sourced and transparent everybody's going to guarantee the people are going to guarantee that everything that you just asked comes to pass when people have total control over this, not some super nerd. That's a coder like me in the background. That's how we're going to achieve uh, the universality of the power of this thing.
2: Absolutely fascinating. We're chatting tonight with Murray Simpser. He is the founder uh, and uh, an individual who is launching citizen, which is a, I guess it's an app, a social media Uh, a polling system, almost a referendum that's going to, he thinks, change our democracy. We're going to take a break and come back more with Murray in just two minutes. Stay with us, everybody. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. Welcome back everyone to the Brian Crombie Radio while we're on Saga 960. We're trying today with Murray Simpson, who is the founder of Citizen. He's going to try to change our politics. Murray, why are you doing this? Tell me a little bit about you and and you know, you've been involved in uh in, I understand politics, and I yeah. also understand you've been in Silicon Valley as a, a tech entrepreneur. So give me a little bit of sense of who Murray Simpson is and, and what's brought you to this uh sure. this this current stage in your life where you want to change democracy for the better.
1: Well, there are three things I think that that came together recently. One was um, the, the the sort of state of play in democracies. Since 2012, we've seen a, a massive decline in what I had previously assumed during my youth uh, were were things that would never change, that would be ever present, ever green. Um, and, and what I learned uh, over time um, is the only way something remains evergreen is if we recommit ourselves to the goals that were originally set down by prior generations. And I regret to say, I don't think we're doing that right now. We're not living up to that standard that um, I think we were we were gifted by the great uh, giants that on whose shoulders we stand. okay? That's the first thing. So there's a personal motivation behind that. The second thing was, I grew up with very little power and very little money, um, but in a very good family that worked very hard with a lot of dignity and a lot of strength. And that family in today's modern world it is not valued in the same way as it would have been good, hardworking, sort of lower middle class family or upper working class family. You know, it, we didn't have anything extra, but we didn't want for anything either. The, the, the sort of, you know, the Canadian dream, as it were, that is also going I, I did work in politics when I was a kid at university uh, for in the O L O O in a couple of members uh, offices on Parliament Hill for the Liberal Party of Canada. I'm no longer affiliated with any party, but I know the game and I used to do groundwork and door to door, organizing, campaigning, um, leadership campaigns, biennial conventions. I mean, I know the system backwards. And the fact of the matter is, there used to be a system where the, the purpose of the first past the post system was to make sure we had representation across the country that, that funneled ideas up into a centrality that no longer exists. It's like three people in the country that control the entire legislative calendar. Like, that's weird, okay, in a country of- We don't have representative democracy anymore?
2: Sorry? We don't have representative democracy
1: anymore? Oh, we, we have a democracy, but who controls what we're fighting over or what we're discussing? Who are these CMO, people? And, and there's nothing wrong with that, I suppose, as a system. But if there's no check against it, then what you have is concentration of power in one person or a couple of people, um, and everybody else is subordinated. Like when I look at ministers um, in any cabinet, whether it's Harper or otherwise, ministers are utterly secondary people um, when it comes to policy setting in the, in the country. And, and the cabinet is supposed to have more power than that. And the reason they don't have more power than that is because the concentration of power has become uh, unipolar in our government. And you know it is what it is. But if we let that continue, that polarity is really going to cause a lot of issues uh, around it. And I want it to stop. Now, why is Silicon Valley important to <laughs> Because after I went in politics, I shut down to California and learned how to wreck things and how to reinvent them from the ground up. And when I say wreck things and invent them from the ground up, I mean literally raise an industry to the ground and replace it with something better okay something more efficient amazon for instance irrevocably altered retail okay this is the power of data based organizing things like this we're going to bring every canadian together we're going to give them all the data more than that we're going to give them the money that's generated off of it this is going to change everything and the fortunes of everybody not just because they'll have power over the government but because the billions of dollars a year that are going to go into this thing are going to give people the ability to solve the problems themselves. So if the government doesn't want to do it, we'll fix it ourselves and the government will make themselves ultimately irrelevant.
2: So I've been uh, ranting of late and I ran in the last election, Uh, as you may know. Congratulations
1: um, for doing your democratic uh, duty, sir.
2: It was kind of fun, Um, but I was running on a policy of direct democracy and the, the three R's were referendum, yeah. recall and proportional representation. and right. so you know what i was hoping was that uh with referendum we get direct democracy that people have uh, their point of view yeah. uh, expressed and I, I quoted uh you know quebec separation and uh, and and uh um a reinterpretation of our our electoral system in ontario as as two critically important policies that were actually decided by referendum, uh, because we decided that referendum was the best way to actually decide those things. And so right positive that referendum are pretty important. And in corporate uh, law, um, you know, if you got a really big decision like selling all or substantially all of your assets, you got to go to a shareholder vote. It's not good enough to just go Correct. to a board of directors. So referendum um, and uh, proportional representation. And, you know, we talked about, uh, um, you know, the the your, your comment about 20 percent of the people electing majority government. Um, you know, the, the statistic that uh, that I like but hate is that uh, it actually uh, took uh, six more liberals to elect an MPP than an NDPer in the last election. It took 10 more greens to elect a MPP than a conservative voter. Um, Because of our first past the post system, what we did is we magnified dramatically the power of a conservative uh, voter and minimize the power of a liberal and NDP voter. Frankly, yeah. in the last federal election, it was different. We we maximized the voter uh, the vote of a of an urban liberal voter and minimize the vote voting power of a, a rural uh, western conservative voter. Right. Um, uh, and so I wanted to change that, but I guess I was trying to do it with the existing system, and so therefore I didn't end up having what you called this wreck the existing system structure. So yeah. why was what I was doing wrong and what you're doing right.
1: Well, let's talk about, that's just the philosophy of change I think is instructive in this case. Um, You know, the Canadian banking system, our entire lives, we've been talking about reforming the Canadian banking system, okay? It has its pros, but it also has its cons, okay? it, it The nature of the Canadian banking system is that it's bureaucratic now. It's become these massively um, it, 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 these stable, beautiful institutions, which are wonderful for, from a stability standpoint. But how did they do in the competition with fintech? The answer is they didn't even notice it. They didn't care because nobody within the structure or the institution of the Canadian banking system um, had the interest level in changing anything, okay? Along come fintechs, and for the last 20 years, just for clarity, 90% of assets prior to the internet were in banks' hands. And now less than 40% of assets are in banks. That's what fintech did to banks, okay? So the banks have behaved in a way that is sort of protect the core, protect the bureaucracy, protect um, itself. Governments are no bloody different, nor are political parties. And power is always the same. It concentrates, and once it's become too concentrated, good luck getting it out. The reason and the purpose for people like me, nuts from Silicon Valley, is that we create the competition necessary for people to move their ass, okay? Whether or not we win is irrelevant, but what is relevant is if we don't change it, we're not gonna be living in a democracy for long and we're gonna do it. So our job is to innovate to such a degree that you can't ignore us. And I've got 15 years experience in the greatest place for innovation on earth.
2: Well, I hope, you're successful because uh, I am very discouraged. Uh, you know the turnout uh, was uh, a low turnout in Canadian history. Um, a uh, actually, I think it was the second lowest turnout in Canadian history, uh, but it was the lowest turnout in Ontario history. Right. Um, and uh, we haven't seen the uh, breakdown um, demography by demography yet. But uh, based on past uh, studies, eighty percent of people over the age of sixty vote, and twenty percent of the age of people at the age of thirty and under vote. And so, therefore. Young people just don't care, don't think that they can have any impact.
1: Well, young people are going to have an impact when they download Citizen and they have my democracy in their pocket. Remember this, there's an old saying that's very instructive. You have to meet people where they are. You can't hope that they're gonna become like, you know, people of over 60. 20 year olds are not 60 year olds. They have different interests, different motivations, different demographics, and frankly, because I'm a nerd from Silicon Valley, I understand the principle that if it's not, if it's not actually on a phone, then it's likely not real, okay? This- If it's not on a phone, it's not real. Category of people.
2: If it's not on a phone, it's not real. I love that. It's
1: not real. If you don't have a website, you're not a real company. Well, guess what? We're no longer in that age. Now you're in the age where if it's not on a phone and if I can't do it on the phone, I'm not interested in talking to you. If the bank doesn't offer a service online, the kids will move elsewhere, okay? If a a retailer doesn't offer full-blown retail access to all their products, they'll move elsewhere. Nobody wants to deal with anything that's not here anymore. And you know what? We're not the first that's going to put it on the phone, but we're the first one that has a real shot of succeeding by putting it on the phone. And this thing is based on mold.
2: Why can't I vote on the phone? Why do I have to go to one polling station? I can't go to any polling station in my riding. I can't go to any polling station in all of, uh, of Ontario. I've got one polling station I can go to and one booth in that one polling station I can go yeah. to. And it's only for, what, 10 hours on one day that I can do that.
1: That's right. And, and the reason for that, there, there's, there's sort of studies behind this. Believe it or not, that's an incredibly secure way to manage an election. OK, and and I think that's the primary driver behind Western uh, election structures. Um, You know, if we take the United States, for instance, one of the big fights that people are having down there is when we have used digital systems, there's questionable outcomes because people can manipulate the code or the data or others. And so people lose confidence in those systems very rapidly. This is the reason citizen is not advocating for modifying the constitution of Canada and giving us electoral powers in a phone. What we're saying is we're gonna create a system that creates such a highly precise data set that instead of that one time every four or five years, you go and you know tick a ballot box, every single day, you're gonna have the powers as you just described, referenda, recall, and I forget the third one that you mentioned, but it's- uh,
2: representation, which is- Representation.
1: So you'll get all three of these things through citizen but you will not threaten the integrity of the election system by introducing citizen, you'll actually strengthen it. And by giving those powers to people every day, the government irrevocably gets altered. Without having to, and I'll go back to your point. You said you tried to change the system from within. Good luck. Okay. We need to change the system from without. And that's why the people are going to become the masters of their own domain and they're going to take control of their governments for the first time in history through this.
2: Okay. So let's let's do a case study here. You know. Um, what uh, what Canada should be doing, what the West should be doing in regards to uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a very difficult, multifaceted uh, issue. You know, uh, viscerally, I think a lot of us uh, want to support Ukraine no matter what. Um, but, uh, you know, gas prices are up. Inflation is up. Uh, supply yeah. chains have been uh, have been uh, been broken. And because of that, a lot of us are feeling it every time we go to uh, fill up our tanks and right. we want to buy our our products. And when we complain about uh, flying uh uh, internationally and the borders are uh, or are, are sticky and we end up waiting two hours for our luggage or, or, right. or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and then we've got the issue of, oh, my gosh, uh, you know Germany may freeze this winter because of uh, Russia uh, oil not being shipped. And then we've got the issue of grain from Russia and Ukraine that's not going to be shipped to the Middle East and Northern Africa. And we've got potential food shortages and famine and a multifaceted issue. And then you've got Macron from France saying we cannot... We cannot allow Putin to be humiliated. We have to give him an exit ramp. And other people say, no, if we appease and give him an exit ramp, China's going to invade Taiwan. So tell me, with such a multifaceted issue, with so many potential implications, when all a lot of people care about is how much gas costs at the gas tank, how would your app, how would your citizen, how would your phone impact that?
1: Well, so, so let's start with that multifaceted nature of the world. Let's all agree the world is mostly multi- multifaceted, OK? Not unifaceted, as every politician would like to have you believe. The next time we talk about climate change, for instance, why don't we talk about it in context, as you propose? The next time we talk about gas prices, why don't we talk about it in context, as you propose? Next time we talk about the fact that food prices are going up, let's talk about it in context. There is no context anymore. And what we've developed in this app is the ability to bring context to the masses in something as simple as a reels that's going to give you the contextual answers you need before you're going to give your opinion about something or prognosticate about how to change the world. Okay, the problem today is that everybody's prognosticating about how to change the bloody world without considering the context of any of the suggestions that you're making. Okay? This is the missing link in democracy. The people have been coddled to such a degree that they no longer think about context when they think about politics. All they think about is the quick and dirty solution to get what they want. They want lower gas prices? Let's talk about lower gas prices. What are you willing, how many deaths are you willing to pay for lower gas prices? For instance, I'm just giving a, a, a hyperbolic example to make a point, but. If you understand the mechanisms behind gas prices or food prices um, or or scarcity in in any number of different things because of the the, the concept of war, inflation, quantitative easing, geopolitical structures, how do you reduce that down? I've reduced it down to something everybody can understand. And therefore, you'll find that when you actually put the case to people, you want lower gas prices, you want these gas prices, and here's the pros, here's the cons. Every normal Canadian, every reasonable Canadian who just spends the time looking at that is quite capable of making a decision. Every one of them.
2: And the problem today is we
1: think they can't. Canadians are better than you think.
2: On Citizen, on your app, you're going to have uh, the implication of gas prices into a simple point, form, pros and cons?
1: Yes. So we have a breakup. The, the, The platform breaks things into two things. The legislative calendar, that is... Everything from the speech from the throne to prorogation. Okay, so committee meetings, uh, first reading, second readings, proposal, everything that's on the docket um, will uh, be seen by them. These are legislative pieces that are going through the governmental machine to produce laws. That's one side of it. Okay on the other side of it, you have what are called issues. These are things that have not made it to the legislative process yet. It's not going through the parties. It's not going through the legislative machines like climate change or women's issues or liberation of LGBT communities or indigenous issues for people that are indigenous like me. They, you know, these things are major issues that need to be broken up into smaller pieces so that they can be consumed and people can opine about them. But more importantly, before they do Any of that. They understand the context of the issue. And this isn't hard. Okay. All you have to do is give people all the points of view on a single issue. So that if your spectrum is left or right, you go from left to right, three or four different issues from three or four credible parties who all commit to giving and the information is presented, and then people can think about it. You don't need a political science education or a university degree to understand common sense. And people who explain things where you can assume they're authoritative. The cool thing about this is everything that happens on the platform is authoritative and everything is viewable and understandable. If you want to look at how we got to that, it's there for you to check.
2: Okay. You know, it's a very idealistic attitude, and I hope you're right. Uh, But let's take abortion as as an example. Um, You know, I don't know if there is an authoritative view on abortion. Um, the, The views are moral, they're religious. They're cultural. They're just historic. Um, yeah. Is there an authoritative view? Um, maybe there is. I'm, I'm not sure. And, you know, I had this discussion just last night over dinner uh, with somebody that um, they were very, a female that that had considered abortion, was very pro-choice, but didn't think that abortion in the third trimester is is appropriate, which I think a lot of people actually, you know, might personally recognize, even if they're very pro-choice. So, and that that's not based on on any authority, that's just based on a feeling, a sense uh, that the life is, uh, is supportable on its own during an arbitrary third semester. So, right. you tell me, how can you have an authority, an authoritative point of view on something that is so moral- morality oriented, religious oriented, conscious oriented, almost by definition, unauthority?
1: Yes. Well, you you know, if you look back at sort of the founding of the great democracies and the Enlightenment in particular, that period before the founding of these great democracies, the Enlightenment in particular, the big argument was the the one you just made. Well, these are issues that are so complicated and and difficult to solve. Nobody's ever going to be able to sit down and discuss. Look, we already know what the answer is. The answer is discourse. Okay, you take the swords out of it, you put people opposite aisles and those people fight it out just like it would be in a violent setting without weapons. And you got somebody in between, speaker up, they're smack you in the head if you act improperly, because they're the actual authority. If somebody's going to beat you over the head, and they're more important than the fighters, guess what you get? Okay, you get rational outcomes. You get people who consider things. Uh, you know, again, and, and I'm I not know. talking about today in Parliament. I'm talking about the original intention behind the concept. Okay, the thesis okay. is, What we need to do now is digitize that, and we need to make that accessible to everybody, and we need to count everybody's opinion about it. Now you asked the second question. How do you ensure authority? I didn't say truth. I said authority. Truth is a point of view, as you know. So you can have an opinion on abortion that says, uh, you know, third trimester is wrong. You can have another opinion that says, uh, you know, at conception, uh, life begins. But if you take those two polar groups, and roughly today, that's more. We don't even talk about the in between anymore. Okay, we're out in these pole, We're out in this polarized crap because that's what media wants us to talk about because that creates cycles that blow people up and make them nuts. Rage travels six times faster than truth. So guess what? We're not talking about reality in Citizen. We're only going to be talking about reality in the extremes. Can go. Okay. In the end, when you present authoritative information, you get somebody from, say, the pro-choice camp, the pro-life camp, you get people in between, and you get a range of opinions that are expressed from authoritative people, meaning people who have agreed to provide that. And they will all be curated on our platform. Nobody will be able to provide an expert opinion on our platform unless they're validated. And you know what? Authority comes from credential checking. And I don't mean a credential journalist. I mean somebody who can credibly opine about a subject and not be inflammatory, gaslighting, nonsense, all the stuff that's psychologically harmful to people. And once you do that, you end up with magic. People make decisions that have a tendency to go from the extremes as today and that the the opinions start to coalesce around the mean. And when you coalesce and you don't believe it, America in one room, Stanford University study says it with exquisite yeah, precision. But you, you,
2: you force people to be reasonable and get together. You know, I was at an all candidates meeting. And uh, if, if you ranked people based on uh, on, on loudness uh, and, and, and argumentative discourse, uh, the uh, new blue and uh, new Ontario parties uh, would have won. Um, yeah. The anti-vax, anti-mask crowd was the loudest And frankly the most visible and uh, and 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 they were all quoting what they deemed to be authoritative figures you know this doctor said that and this doctor said that and this uh, whatever said that and what about mental health that's i got it and they were not listening to another point of view they were so fervent in their point of view that they would not listen to a different point of view even when the, the different point of view frankly had some gray associated with it so you tell me in that kind of an environment when someone believes you know any kind of abortion, even if it's a, a rape or or because the baby is uh, deformed or or whatever, is wrong and against God's will. Or that that you know any kind of acceptance of a vaccine is putting a a, a nuclear transmitter in my body that Gates is going to follow yes. me around the world. Yes. If someone believes that so yeah. fervently. How can you have a appropriate discourse with them? We're going to take a break and come back with some concluding comments on Citizen with Murray Simpson in just two minutes. Stay with us, everybody. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. I've had a wonderful time chatting with Murray Simpson tonight on the Brian Crumbie Radio Hour on Saga 960 about how he and Citizen are going to change democracy. And I think, frankly, Murray, it's exciting and I hope you're successful. I'm worried that you're not going to be, I have to admit it, but I'm going to be one of those people that are out there uh, yelling and screaming for your support because I think it's uh, fantastic. Uh, remind us, uh, how can we get on board? What do we need to do?
1: Uh, visit Citizen.World. C-I-T-I-Z-M. That's Citizen with no E dot world. And you will be able to sign up. There's a yellow button at the bottom of the people's API, the picture of Parliament, just put your email in there and you will receive in the next short order an invitation to download the application. That's step one. Step two, don't give us too much trouble between now and the end of September, as we are working out the bugs, and we are bringing people on board. So imagine Facebook on day one, no users. It wouldn't be very interesting, you know, if people weren't posting things. So please give us special dispensation till the end of September. In the meantime, though, there's a hamburger menu in the app, three lines, if you click on it and you have ideas, you want to give feedback, you want to tell us about something you think should be in there, we'd love to hear from you. Give us feedback and we will reply and, and thank you for uh, sharing that. In the meantime, the only other thing you can do is if you see our messages, please share them.
2: Murray, five years from now. What do you think our state of democracy is gonna be?
1: The state of democracy in this world is gonna be immeasurably altered. I have a, I have a more confident prognostication for where we'll be. <laughs> I think we're gonna succeed and I think that you're gonna see the people rise to what they should have been at the beginning of democracies, okay? And what they were, they are coming back, they are going to control governments, Five years from now, you're going to have 20 million Canadians using the Citizen app, you're going to have 150 million Americans using the app, and you're going to have a dozen other countries that are using the app in the same way, and all the great democracies of the West, and then countries beyond. That power is going to generate so much money for the people because of the revenue that we generate off this platform, and that money is going to the people themselves. We're going to try to eliminate all of level one and two Maslow needs with this thing because the people should not be giving away their information and opinions for free. It's high time people control the means of production without being Marxist or communist. At the end of the day, what we want to do is make sure that democracies are governed by, for, and of the people.
2: You know, I got to tell you, Murray, I was out knocking on doors, talking to a lot of people during the provincial election, talking about you know, a more simplistic, uh, unelectronic uh, um, uh, application of, of some of the same policies that you're talking about, referendum, sure. uh, uh, recall, uh, proportional representation. I think all but maybe one or two people I spoke with said, this is great. We agree with it. But almost everyone said, but it's never going to happen because right. the, the institutional inertia that yeah. politicians and governments have for their current system. And unless you get a major party to support this, it's not going to happen.
1: I don't want any party supporting this. Point of fact, politicians aren't invited. You're not allowed on the platform as a politician. Now, all politicians are citizens. You're allowed on the platform as a citizen. So politicians, you go do your job. You run the country. And we'll do our job telling you what we want you to do when you run the country.
2: Murray Simpson, citizen, download that app. Come back in September and tell us how it goes. That's our show for tonight. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I'm on every Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock on 960 AM. You can stream me online at at www.saga960am.ca. You can get all my podcasts and videocasts on briancrombie.com, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, and on Audible Podcasts, on uh, Apple Podcasts, and on Speakeasy. Thank you. Check me out. Good night, everybody. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.